Creative Sandbox Way Podcast, Episode 182. Hello, I am Melissa Dinwiddie, and I believe that life is too short not to express the innate creativity inside of you. So I wrote a book called The Creative Sandbox Way, based around 10 guideposts that I developed to get myself out of creative stuck and back to the sense of playful creativity that I naturally had when I was a four-year-old. That book was just the tip of the iceberg. I continue the conversation each week with this podcast. Let's jump in. Jeff Harry believes there's nothing quite like watching a senior executive screaming with delight while skipping after a tiny Lego car. As the vice president of fun at Playwell Technologies, Jeff and his team show kids and adults how to tap into their true selves, feel their happiest and most fulfilled, all by playing with tiny Lego pieces. Jeff has worked with Google, Microsoft, Southwest Airlines, Adobe, the NFL, Amazon, and Facebook, helping their staff to infuse more play into the day-to-day. It turns out that giving people permission to be really silly helps them be more productive, learn faster, and love their work. Jeff's play work has been featured on AJ+, Soul Pancake, The SF Chronicle, and CNN. And Jeff understands that while we spend most of our time pretending to be important, serious grown-ups, when we can let go of that facade and just play, magic happens. Fully embracing your own nerdy genius, whatever that is, gives you the power to make a difference and change lives. And I was really happy to have Jeff on the podcast. I actually had the recording on when we were just chatting before the official conversation started. But (laughs) the conversation that was recorded, the just, you know, pre pre official conversation went on for about 15 minutes. And it was so interesting that I decided to keep it. So enjoy being a fly on the wall of my studio for the first 15 minutes of this conversation. Yeah, you're really getting a peek in <laughs> like a backstage view. Enjoy my conversation with Jeff Perry. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Love the glasses. Thank you. Love your tie. I felt like I should dress up for this. So, uh, <laughs> definitely i think it's just going to be you and me okay cool my community had uh two we had two webinars yesterday so i think oh wow i think everybody's um live evented out yeah a lot of whiteboards that's awesome (laughs) (laughs) yeah those are um you can never have too many whiteboards yeah they're they're actually flip charts Oh, okay. Which, yeah, you, which are better. Yeah, better. <laughs> you can like throw them on the wall. You can like do that whole pasting on the wall. I used to do that all the time with organizing. <laughs> okay, we're going to put this here. We're never going to look at this again, but I'm going to put it here. <laughs> I've been practicing doing visual notes, uh-huh. graphic recording kind of stuff. 
I had my first public gig, as it were, with a four by four enormous. Oh wow, that's big. Yeah, it was big. Who so was, was who, someone was drawing them the whole time? I was drawing them. Oh, you were drawing them and talking the whole time? No, no, I was. So I was doing. This was actually a pro bono gig for a synagogue that I recently joined. And I had offered to synagogue, I do Lego series play as one of the tools that I use. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, along with applied improvisation and, but Lego series play is one of my main tools. And after I joined the synagogue, I said, Hey, can I be of service? Yeah. And the executive director said, you know, we, we, our staff is really tight. We don't need any help, but why don't you talk to the new president of the board? See if the board could use any, team building or something like that. And I talked to the president and he said, you know, our board meetings are so packed. We don't have time for even a 10 minute something or other, but we have this retreat coming up, annual board retreat in July. And we always have time for some kind of bonding, yeah, something yeah. energizing something. Why don't you, would you like to come? And I said, yeah, absolutely. So I did a, a 40 minute Lego serious play team building Sweet. session, which they loved. It went great. And then when I met with the president beforehand, I said, by the way, would you, would it be useful to you to have the retreat documented the other sessions? And he said, yeah, actually it would. I said, the reason that I ask is that I've been practicing doing visual recording, you know, visual. Like drawing, like RCA, RSA creative. I don't know what RSA creative is. Oh, okay. I'll send it to you after this. It's super interesting video where they, they take fun, talks and then they visually draw them yeah that's kind of what i do except uh, i mean as far as i'm concerned mine is very kindergarten level oh okay but they didn't they thought i mean they thought it was awesome they thought it was like oh my god sistine chapel ceiling you know (laughs) i'm like thank you thank you very much you're like that's uh that's how i do it uh (laughs) <laughs> They're like, wow, you clearly are an artist. <laughs> and I did make my living as an artist, but not as a, you know, photographic realist or anything like that. So anyway, um, yeah, that's practice, practice. There's, there's one above my figure there that you. Oh, here I'll, here, oh, let me send it. Um, where, let me, can I send it in the zoom link? Yeah. The okay, chat. In the chat. The yeah. Chat this is RSA it. creative. This is, this is from a while back though. Um, I don't know what they do now, but if it's anything like this, that's awesome. Oh yeah, I'm not even close to that like skill level of drawing. Mine are you know stick figures, but that's people love. Yeah, people love I, I, people I love seeing you draw them. Yeah, they they love seeing you draw. Like they actually the simple in in some ways the simpler the better because they can relate to it. Yeah. And like that level of RSA anime, and I think I've seen them before, that it that it's it's such a distance between what right. they can do that they're just like, oh yeah, I can't even relate. But right. what I do, the level, the the drawing that I do, I mean, they're literally stick figures. And so they they're like, Well, I can't do that, but I can relate to it because it's because I see it three steps away from what I can do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so. interesting. I do, um, sometimes I do five rhythm dance. Yeah. 
And um, one session they had someone dance while the, while the partner drew them, drew like oh. the feelings that they felt. Well, and it was interesting because it was like, there's no wrong answer. It's just like you have someone drawing you while you're dancing and you're trying to like give out certain emotions from it. That was super fascinating, you know? So, um, cool. Yeah. 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 I love it. I used to be a dancer. So. Oh, sweet. What kind? Uh, modern dance, but I, I started in jazz and ballet and modern. I was like super serious about it. That was my career path for a while. Really? I yeah, my best friend, she was a ballet dancer with San Francisco Ballet. I never got to that level. She got, got way it. too serious, way too young that she like, I think got injured at 20 or 21. That's when I got injured. Out. And then she was out. Yeah, I was out. But like, then I got into travel in the stuff. world and stuff like that. Or? I didn't. Yeah, I didn't get that. I, I was at Juilliard as a student. And then, oh, wow. So you were pretty you were on the path. I was on the path, but then I got injured and yeah. I had to quit. And but then I got it back into it for fun at, in social dance, salsa and tango. And oh, that's cool. Stuff like that. Yeah. Super fun. What what was that world like all those years? How many years of like dance? Did you- it was such a short time in my life because I, I was a teenager when I got started. So I was already over the hill, you know, um, I felt older as a teenager than I did crazy. when I discovered I much later in life in my late twenties, I discovered art or rediscovered art in my late twenties. And I felt so young, Yeah, you know, my late twenties and thirties, I felt so young. Whereas in my teens and 20, I felt so ancient. That's so interesting. (laughs) Have you wrote about that? That's so fascinating. I have to, yeah. Look, not so much because because bit. because then it really is an awesome lesson because it's all about context, right? Total. Like you can feel it at any random moment. Totally con co- totally contextual. Yeah, so weird, man. There yeah. was this play guy that Gary, I forgot what his name is, but I guess Gary is doing uh something with him, some play life project dude. Anyway, he's a super weird guy. I was at a world domination summit and I was hanging out with him. I went to his meetup and his meetup was about like play. Uh, I forgot what it was. It was like 12 steps to play more to transform your life or something like that. Anyway, he was kind of crazy because when he was 31, he was like, I want to be a professional soccer player. Like he just decided at that time, which is like impossible. Had he played soccer before? He had played rec soccer but like, and maybe in high school, but he didn't play in college. He didn't do any of that stuff. So so he's like, I want to be a a professional soccer player. So he went to Bolivia for a summer and played with 14 to 18 year olds and like ran in the jungle, played with him every day, got his butt kicked every day by him. He's like this old, old, like old, right? Quote, unquote, white dude, you know, (laughs) surrounded by all these Bolivians, not able to communicate with them. And they're just kicking his ass every day. But he's still out there running through the jungle every freaking day for three months. He comes back, plays for his rec league. (laughs) Everyone's like, oh, my gosh, you're so good now. Why do you get so good? And while he was playing, a semi-pro team offered him to play. And he played semi-pro for him. Well, like he didn't play professional, but he like played in a 
after three and his his argument was like how do you want to transform your life you have to be willing to change the entire environment and he's uh-huh. an exact example i changed it all for three months like i fully committed and i came out of it like like steel like soccer steel like like it was it was easy everything was easier um yeah so i was like that's crazy dude like that's some committed play right there wow well you know the i the recording is going now okay sweet do you mind if i use some of what we were talking about yeah 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 of course yeah use use any of it yeah i can here let me i i have the link of the guy um so i'll send it to you just so i just said fabulous i was just meeting with literally meeting with gary earlier today we were just brainstorming nerdiness (laughs) <laughs> and uh, and he brought up this play life guy that I was like, who is that guy? And I was like, oh, I went to that guy's random meetup. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, he runs a coaching thing called. Oh, I'll just I'll put it in the G chat. Um, sweet. I love that you're just recording. That's so much better. <laughs> As opposed to being like, okay, are you ready? Three, two. Like I've done those. <laughs> I know. I I usually do that now. So since I often have. A live studio audience. So I usually oh, right, do right, right. I used to always do the intro completely separately, but I'm trying How to long have you been doing this now? Like all these interviews and stuff like that. I've had the podcast since um what June June or July of twenty fifteen. Oh, okay. Oh, so it's wow. been going for a while. And at the time I did record a bunch of interviews, but then it took me a long time to release them because interviews just take so much more time to, mm. pro, you know, the post-production is just so time consuming. Right, whereas right. I could crank out a monologue so much faster. <laughs> so I ended up just doing monologues for a long time, but I really like doing the interviews and they are it's such great networking yeah there's just like really cool people out there there's really cool people out there cool people doing dope stuff i'm like going to your youtube page oh to my i haven't posted anything new and i don't even remember the last time i posted anything new it's not that long a month ago i did what did i post (laughs) doodle as a spiritual practice 6618 oh okay so occasionally bad occasionally i will remember to take a Facebook live or something and share it on YouTube. But I, right. I'm not in the practice. I just have forgotten to get into the practice of doing that. But you Honestly, have so much of your content up here. You've been producing for years. I've been online since 2010 is when wow, I started. Wow. That's awesome. Your first thing was mind mapping a two minute <laughs> tip <laughs> and the tickler file. Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, you know, it's really funny. If you look back on that old stuff, it's so like I was throwing spaghetti at a wall trying to trying to see what would stick. It's really funny. I should probably go back and take that stuff down. But no, these are awesome. You know what my favorite one is? What? 50 seconds in the life of Louis the cat. Oh, oh did Louis pass away? Poor Louis. I, oh, yeah, he, um, oh. he, he chewed through an extension cord. Oh, Louis. Louis oh. electrocuted himself. Oh, so. Four days after I dislocated my knee. Oh, my gosh. It was a bad why, week. Why does it always happen that way? It always happens that way. You also have my boyfriend finger break dancing. 
that actually got a lot of views for like. I, mean, for, uh, I haven't even looked at my YouTube channel in years. Oh well, we're, I'm looking at it now. It's that's fascinating. so funny. You got a lot. Yeah, of, he's my husband now. That's awesome. Oh my god. Well, just tell him that you know that's his so fingers funny. are famous. Are there any of my? Did I post any of my um, animations up there? God, now I need um, to go up on my. Yeah, monkey says. Stop motion animation, yes, Capade. Carrot dreams. Oh, good, I did happy. post. Okay, yeah, I was Nature doing. Is only wasted when it stays in the drawer. Oh, that's awesome. I was I doing that. stop motion for a, a while. I love how you're just messing with stuff. That's really cool. That's that's what I do. I mess with stuff. That's that's oh, what we I do. Totally now. should do some nerdiness when we figure out what nerdiness to do. <laughs> <laughs> I just told that to Gary recently. I was just like, we should just keep playing. I don't know what we should be doing, but every time we meet, we should play more. Where, where are you located? Are you in Southern oh, California? I'm in Oakland. Oh my God, that's right. You're just across the bay from me. Yeah, you're like in San Francisco, right? No, I'm in Mountain View. Oh, you're in Mountain View. Oh, yeah. We're just across the bay from each yeah. other. Oh, my God. We, we should, should do like, we should like, hey, hey, we should go hang out. Yeah, let's, let's, oh, let's do, like, do something, like, do five you're rhythm like, dance or some random. You're like something. my little brother. Jeez. I have, I have a great little brother. I have two older sisters, so. Oh, my God. G- yeah, Gary calls me. What did he call me? He called me my, uh, his, my, his sister from another mister. Oh, yeah. So we he, might be all be related then. I, I mean, think. Anyway, it's 417. I don't want to keep you. And we're supposed to be here talking about you. I've been really enjoying this conversation so far. So whatever, <laughs> however you want to roll, I'm just rolling with it. We're both play people. So it's just like, we just do whatever we want to do, right? Like it kind of organically will like evolve wherever it's supposed to evolve. I wonder if I wonder if I just posted this recording, if people would get a kick out or just like. I think they think that's perfect. I think it's better because then it's just like, oh yeah. By the way, I'm recording already because then I'm like, I'm not like, hey, here's my my podcast voice. Let me give you my pitches. I even have my. I'm already excited to share like. Like Gary was like, make sure you have something like a new. Oh, you're something cool. Something cool. I have multiple something cools. I'm sure that, you do. That I just I randomly picked up. So yeah. <laughs> well, what I what I okay. What I really wanted to ask you though is, you know, you don't meet a whole lot of people who have the title of vice president of fun. Right. Right. <laughs> I mean, in Silicon, I, I live in Silicon in Valley. In Silicon Valley, yeah. yeah. I live in Silicon Valley. You live in Oakland. Yeah. There are a lot of crazy titles. In there are a lot of good, like chief happiness officer, yeah. chief engagement. Yeah, yeah, all that. There are a lot of crazy titles, but, and I've watched your, I actually want to get the link to this for the show notes. I've watched your Creative Mornings oh, cool. talk, which is so fun. Oh, awesome. You're such an engaging presenter because not only are you you know super fun and you're the play guy and everything yeah but you get the audience super engaged because you're not just talking at people yeah I'm i mean so many presenters get up there and wah 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 yeah. wah you know I get super bored and antsy you know yeah. when, when i'm not engaged like i'm not engaged when i'm sometimes doing talks and i'm like i can feel it <laughs> like i used we used like my friend and dana and i used to run a, a ton of uh, obama camp trainings 
And you, and these are like two day trainings, like eight hours a day. So like, how do you keep people engaged? For yeah. It was like, it was all about the play and humor. Like that's the only humor. Thing. Yeah. That's and the getting only people thing. doing things like doing things. Yeah. Right. There's so much talking. Right. <laughs> sitting and listening, sitting and listening, sitting yeah. and listening, which is how think about it, you know, how we went through school, right? No. Like, and why do you why think I... kids hate school? Exactly. Because they're sitting exactly. and listening. Exactly. Like, experiential learning is really how I learned almost everything right. that I do. And it's really interesting that when I think of like third grade, I remember more about third grade of planting flowers and like all the stuff to do when we were planting flowers outside than any of like the academic stuff inside my classroom. Right. I remember in math class in like kindergarten, we would do multiplication and you would have to move debt or, or whatever addition or whatever, but you have to move desks based off of like whether you got it right or not. So like we were constantly moving mm. and that was like super helpful. And I just, yeah, I don't know when the lecture thing got really, I don't know when people thought that was working. (laughs) Seriously. Well, I think about just since I started my blog and started think, you know, trying to build a business around, you know, this whole online thing. Right. And I've had how many things I've had to learn around that. Yeah. Which completely did not come naturally to me. I had to learn how to build websites and I had to learn how to, you know, do HTML for God's sake and CSS. And, you know, like I never had any desire to yeah. do these things, but suddenly I had to yeah, because I didn't have the money to pay somebody else to do it. So yeah. I had to figure it out and I had to learn, you know, some basics of marketing and, you know, all sorts of things that I had never had any interest in, but I had to figure things out. And, so guess what? I learned how to do them right. because I had to figure them out. So right. what is that but experiential learning, right? right? I feel like that's how kids should always be learning. Absolutely. It is how humans learn. learn. It's how humans learn. Like, like you do something, you get hurt, and then like caveman's like, don't do that again. You know, like, <laughs> like that's the basic... I mean, it's interesting. I remember, you know, so our organization, PlayWell, you know, we're teaching kids engineering, right, through Lego. And I've been doing it for like a really long time. So when I first started running programs here, I remember we would, I would be about to run the after school program and one of the teachers would come by and see all the kids in class and she'd be like, hey, by the way, you have all the troublemaker kids. And it was like, what? And I heard that, at first I just thought it was like, oh, it's no big deal. It's just one school. But then I heard that over and over again from teachers. And basically what they were saying is like, these kids don't behave. They behaved in my class like when you got when they were allowed to have hands-on learning and when they were allowed to like express themselves and didn't have to sit sit still. Like, yeah, of course. And that's the thing that's like sad because then you're thinking all these kids that have so much potential and instead are being told they're the worst student in class. Then they hate school, which then means they hate learning when it could be the um, the what is it? Uh, what's his name? Ken Robinson's story of the cat's woman, you know, where she was, you know, you don't have a, you don't have a a student that has a problem sitting. You have a, you have a dancer. So you should allow her to dance. And then once she learned how to dance, then she created cats, but now she would probably be given ADHD drugs and then 
maybe something amazing doesn't come from that kid. So like that's that shit that stuff scares me. So it's like, you know, how do we cultivate like the inner awesome soul of that kid through play, you know? Yeah. And do the same thing for adults, right? Because like I don't know, at some point, maybe 13 and 14, when they thought they were too cool for school or too cool to play anymore, they gave up like the most exciting part of their life, <laughs> you know? And then, and then 20 years later, like, I don't know why I'm so sad. Well, yeah. what do you do for fun? Nothing, you know? I get drunk. Oh, right. <laughs> I self-medicate. I self-medicate. Like, oh, when yeah. was the last time you played? <laughs> Most of them don't have an answer. Like, so, yeah. Right. Yeah. We label all these kids and say they're, they're the problem. But the problem is what we're, you know, this environment that we're jamming them into, yeah. Yeah. not the kids. Yeah. Yeah. And I understand why they're doing that is because they're, tr- they're trying to manage so many kids. Right. But, but what happens? How do you lose the creativity of it? Um, and what's interesting is, so like, ironically enough, we're trying to, uh, we're, we are going to be running programs in China, um, starting in August. So like I got back from China on Monday, I was there for like two days. Like I've never gone on a trip for so short a period wow. of time, but yeah, it was super surreal. And it's a whole other story of how weird and random this place was, but I was in, I was in Wenzhou, China, which is this mid-level city, meaning like average size city, 10 million people. <gasps> 10 million people are in this city. It's just madness. They had a town that of 150,000 people that was built in less than four years. Like, like they just do everything massive, right? And so we're, I'm on the Wenzhou TV news, which was hilarious because I have no idea what I'm doing. We're like signing documents. I don't know what's happening. And there are all these students that I had run a, like a Lego engineering workshop for like earlier that day. So they're there at the TV studio. We're all like taking photos. And then we go to the library where they come and they interview us. And they're mostly interviewing, like I'm part of the Silicon Valley delegation. I don't know how I got part of it, but I'm part of it. And they're mostly interviewing the mayor of Danville, who is like the main guy. Like, and he's, they're answering all these mayor questions. Well, anyway, one student stands up and her, she's like, my name is Zen Joe. I'm from Construction Elementary School. And she's like, I really like the, the Lego thing that we did today. Um, why, why do you play um, and when will you get a real job? <laughs> Something to that effect. <laughs> <laughs> Which was hilarious. And then one of the guys on the delegation was like, yeah, that sounds like something like my dad would ask. And I was like, "That my dad did ask that for many years. He asked that, like, when are you going to get a real job? Like, what are you doing? But I understood where her question was coming from because especially in China and especially her construction elementary school, everything you do is to produce something right? Mm. Like you're producing a product or like a doctor, a lawyer, like you're making things that, that have value. And the idea of playing for playing sake doesn't have value for them. So the way I answered that question was, I was like, well, first I wanted to, I wanted, I saw big when I was a kid and then I wanted to become a toy designer, but I ultimately wanted to use play as a way to like connect people more and then the mayor of Danville chimed in and was like, actually also play is a really important teaching tool to allow you to be creative and innovative. 
And it's ironic because like China's right now trying to be innovative and creative, but they're very not like, like they're exact opposite. So, so it's challenging all of the cultural values. So like just that interaction was super interesting because she's like, I don't get, I really enjoy it and I love play, but what's the value of it? And I'm like, the value is everything that you're trying to find. It's there. It's in that sphere. And that's probably why you continue to make the same things. So, you know, you're going to have to play some more in order to, to be more creative and innovative in this city. So, yeah. Yeah. That's such a big disconnect. People don't understand that if you want to be creative and innovative, you have to, you have to play, you have to let yourself make messes and not be concerned with the outcome and just explore and just follow your curiosity. You have to, that's it's it. You cannot be creative and innovative without that. Right. But that's so hard because we're such a results oriented. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was really hard for me. And it continues to be an ongoing practice for me to remind myself to let go of the perfectionism, let go yeah. of, yeah. no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that I hate this, that, that this looks like crap and this feels like crap. Just let it go. Yeah. Just let it go. Just let yeah. myself be in what I call the creative sandbox space of, you know, being, let, being in my inner four-year-old mind space, right. you know, just right. let myself be there, trust the process. It's all going to be fine. I need to be here in order to ultimately get to liking the outcome. I need to right. let myself make crap because the crap right. is what's going to fertilize the good stuff. But I have to right. let myself make the crap. Just oh, be there. That. That's great. <laughs> I hate the crap to fertilize the good stuff. Yeah, we hate making crap, but we need the crap because it's the crap that fertilizes the good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think that just scares a lot of us. Uh, I mean, it scares yeah. Whenever I'm like making stuff and I'm like, it's not good. Like that voice, that voice that like, this is the worst. What are you doing? You should just stop now. Um, But I think of like when I first helped like kind of grow this organization, we were just making stuff up as we went along. We still are. Well, I want to go back to that. So how did you get involved? Where, how did, tell us about Play Well and how did you become the the (laughs) vice president of fun? Fun? Um, so the long story, I mean, the short, short version is, um, saw big at fourth grade, started writing companies by fifth grade, kept writing them till sophomore year until a company cap toys, which is not even in business anymore, told me to go into engineering, went so to wait, engineering. Wait, wait, wait. You would write letters to companies. I literally would write letters to companies telling them about my toy ideas. And at All what age did you start doing that? Like fifth, sixth grade. So you would like say, word dear Mattel, or... Yeah, I would be like, yep, dear Activision, dear Mattel, you should make a wrestling figure that blah, blah, you know, that does these things. <laughs> you know, your G.I. Joes should fly. And I would, and like meticulous. Some of them were like four or five pages long. I would love to find out, find those now because they were all on like word processor. And I would send not just one letter because sometimes I would put so much in it that it would get sent back to me that I would oh send God. like six letters or seven letters, <gasps> like same letter. So like the now, same letter. Yeah, you would, the same you letter. would send the same letter. 
like I would send the same letter together because I was so worried one of them would not get there. You mean it in the same envelope or? No, no, multiple envelopes because I was worried like somehow it would get lost in the mail. So, so you would copy, would, you would send the same letter and yeah. you would put, you would, you would make multiple copies of the same letter yeah. and yeah. put them in six or seven or eight envelopes and send yeah. them off. And then send them off and then do it to another company. And, do and it to did, another you, company. did you ever hear back from any of these companies? Yeah, uh, yeah. Some companies would send me template letters back being like, thank you for your, uh, we have people that already do this, but we appreciate, you know, like now this would be like taken a picture on Twitter and they would like bring me in, you know, to like the toy design place. But back then they were just like, forget you. That was a waste of time. See ya. <laughs> you know, like that's just like, that's just what I got. But it just, and for some reason it didn't deter me. And then I remember at some point I maybe changed my letter to be like, what should I major in in college? And then like cap toys that made castles and catapults wrote me back and was like, you should go into mechanical engineering. And I don't know now if that was the right choice, but that's what they told me to do. So I then went to a mechanical engineering school in Boston, like Tufts University. And then there they were working on the first, uh, MIT was working on uh, the first Lego robotics and they gave it over to Tufts to test it out, Lego Dacta. So like I was there at the beginning when they were like messing with the software. And we would run these like Lego robotics camps when it was like not a thing. Like this was back in like 2000, 1999, 2000. And then I applied to a bunch of toy companies when I moved to New York. Got no, I got like, I remember applying to like 80 companies in the span <gasps> of like a month or two months. What? So, okay. Like so wait, so when years. you were in college, you ran Lego camps? The last year, our university's engineering department ran these Lego robotics camps, which was okay. like super new and interesting. And it was, it was something no one was doing, you know? And it was, it was part of Lego education, like way back when. It's still around. It's called the Center for Engineering Educational Outreach for Tufts, and they still do it. And for so, what age? This was, like, this was like seven to like 14, 15-year-old wow. kids. So like randomly, I just bumped into it. And what's ironic is like at that same time, my boss was starting a company in 97 on the other side of the coast, Playwell, not knowing this existed either. So he was doing his own thing, his own random know. thing. So then I applied to a bunch of toy companies, didn't get them. I remember writing a um, Toys R Us and telling them that they should open up boxes in their stores and have kids play with the toys, but they're more likely to sell them that way. And that got me an interview with Toys R Us Corporation. And then later on, I didn't get that job, but I got another job where they hired me to work for the Toys R Us Corporation. So then I was working for them, 9-11 happened, and then I started questioning my existence because I was living in a cubicle. <laughs> and I went and worked for Toys R Us at the Times Square location that had a Ferris wheel. And, uh, and the T-Rex dinosaur from Jurassic Park. And I would just play for toy with toys for a living in the store. Like my job was just to be a product demonstrator and play with toys. And I did that for like... And I that know, was like, for the Toys R Us Corporation? For the Toys R Us Corporation, yeah. And then at some point I was like, I got to get out of New York, you know. Um, came to the West Coast, worked for Sega, um, worked for some other random organizations and then 
I don't know. I found myself at a cubicle temping at like Kaiser element, a Kaiser Permanente. And I was like, what am I doing? I got to get out of here. And I remember quitting my job, reading a bunch of like Poe Bron- Bronson books about like life. And then I found this part-time job teaching kids engineering with Lego. And I was like, oh, I did that before. I'll just do that for kicks, you know? And I found this organization and um, it just was super fun. It was just like, it just was, I realized I never wanted to be a toy designer. What I wanted to do is what I wanted to use toys as a way to like build connections and like create more fun and happiness with kids. Because Mm. ever since you saw from my talk, like I'm all about creating opportunities for people to play so they can really like tap into who they are. Like that's, that's all of it for me, you know, self-actualization through play. How do I do that? Oh, so good. It's so exciting. So, um, so, uh, what I say, ah, yes. Um, so I'm working for him. He's like, you know, my friend or my, yeah, my friend and colleague, Alex was coming from Stanford. I'm coming from Tufts. We're like, look, we want to run this as a legitimate job. What do we need to do? And he's like, well, you have to run, you have to hire more people. And we're like, how do we do that? And he's wait, like, wait, wait. who, who are you talking to now? Our, our, our boss, Tim of Playwell, Tim Bowen, the guy that created Playwell was when we first started, he was just, we were like, it was a part-time job that paid like a hundred, 150 bucks a week. Like uh-huh. so little, like we barely could survive. And we were like, how do we figure out how to run this and have a full-time job doing it? And he's like, well, you have to hire a bunch of people. So, you know, and find a bunch of classes. So we just did that. And we found a bunch and then that was awesome. And then we were like, well, we actually want to do this for real, for real. Like, like, like be able to live in the Bay area doing this. Right. And he was like, well, then you have to leave the state. So like Alex went to Connecticut and I first went to LA and San Diego. And then we started it in Colorado. Then we started it in Texas. And we literally were just picking states based off of whether we thought they were fun. Like it's so like, wait, so you're so the guy who started Playwell hired you, yeah, to run these classes for kids, these yeah, these, these after school and summer camp programs where we were just the whole goal was just to introduce engineering to kids, okay. And this is way before STEM became a thing, like this is like 2000. Well, I joined them in 2004, so okay, STEM was just starting off and it wasn't like you know, the buzzword that it is now and all that. Right. So you're introducing engineering to kids using Lego. Using Lego. So like teaching them basic terminology, like what's an axle? How do gears mesh? How do you calculate a gear ratio? What's a pneumatic pump? How do you, you know, create like, you know, circuitry, you know, using Lego, like all these random aspects of like various parts of engineering, whether that's mechanical engineering, electrical engineering, or even like sometimes architectural and teaching them terminology that they might not learn until they were in high school or sometimes even in college, you know? Um, but we were doing it at a really early age, but doing it through fun. So like I would teach seven year olds what, you know, gravitational acceleration was. So they're all memorizing that it's 9.8 meters per second squared. They don't know what that means, but by the time they roll into sixth and seventh grade and they see it, they're like, ah, I know this because I learned this in, Lego class back way back when. So because they're doing it hands on and they're building these exactly these constructions that are actually they're seeing it and they're feeling it, they're experiencing it. Yeah. And the thing was it wasn't even just us being like, oh, let's teach you how to play with Lego. People know how to play with Lego. That's right. Easy. 
what we wanted to do was create like worlds where it's just like, you're an engineer, solve this problem. God. And they would have to figure it out. Like what you just said, right? Like there, I remember teaching a class around Katrina because they were like, how did the levees, how did the levees break? And I was teaching a homeschool class in a grocery store in Tracy, California. And we built levees and I broke the levees. And I was like, you have 50 minutes to build vehicles that will push the debris away and block the levee before I flood it again with bricks. And they just had to figure that out. Like, like, and that was the process of like a lot of our classes. We would teach a foundation of like what a chassis is and you know, how, what's a, what's a first, second or third class lever arm. But then it's just like, now use this to solve this problem. Go and let's see what happens. And that, that was where like, it kind of just grew. So so, so you, you were teaching these classes and you, enough to like pay you whatever it was, 150 a, a week or something like yeah. that. And you went, and that's basically what Playwell was at that time was these yeah. classes for kids. Yeah. And you went to your boss, the two of you, you and your friend and said, we want to do more of this. Yeah. So and you took like, the initiative and yeah. he said, great, find more opportunities, build mm-hmm. the classes, hire more people. Yeah. Like take like, and he was willing to like trust us on taking the risk. So like I would go to Beverly Hills and run a class there. And then I'd go to San Diego, La Jolla and run a class there. And then I would find like the way we expanded was when we found other nerds that vibe, that uh, vi- uh, vibrate on that. What is it? Uh, vibed with us. You know, when they connected with us and we were like, oh, there's enough nerds here that, you know, want to also get down and play as well. And okay, here, help us grow this program. So we really just found other people that just really wanted to play for a living. And we're like, that was the experiment. I mean, that's still the experiment now, right? Even now that we're, so when I joined, it was seven of us. And now there's like 350 of us, like when we're at like, when we're at like capacity during the summer. So like we we're now like teaching a hundred thousand kids a year. When I joined, oh it was like a, it was like a thousand kids, maybe five hundred kids. So that was super cool. But where the VP of Fun title came was, so I took a break and did uh, campaign work um, and healthcare stuff with Obama um, for a little bit, and then I came back and they were like, "Well, what do we need now?" Because the organization is much larger. So I started doing marketing for the organization. But I was like, man, but I don't want to do other fun things. So um, I remember, I think Visa randomly asked us, hey, do you do uh, team building events? And uh, we were like, yeah, sure. <laughs> sure, we can, we, can, we can come up with something. <laughs> and we did. We just came up with something um, based off of like what they were looking for. And we just started running these other random events. So we started doing Take Your Kid to Work Day events. We started doing like corporate like, um, like we do conferences where adults build stuff out of Lego at the conference. Like, is that a thing? I don't know. We made, we made it up and we're like, Hey, does your conference want to do that? And now Amazon and we do something with Amazon every year at, in Vegas. So like, I was kind of just making up fun stuff. So I was like, well, I'm going to just throw fun on my title and just see if my boss... <laughs> And then he was just like, it didn't say anything. So it was like VP of marketing and fun. And then finally I was just like, I should just put VP of fun. <laughs> so yeah. So like, that's kind of like how it's evolved. So now it's interesting because half of my conversations, I'll like talk to a company or I'll talk to like a government organization and be like, 
I have a ridiculous amount of Lego. What do you want to do? Like, what could we do? Like, what could we create? Mm. Like, we, you know, we were just connecting with auto Autodesk because they have a software called Tinkercad, which is all about like f- making drawings. And then you can actually Legofy those drawings and, and they turn into Lego, like an actual formatted Lego house after you make a regular house. And we want to potentially build like cities out of Lego using Tinkercad, maybe even Wakanda out of Lego. Like that was, so we're like brainstorming. Can we do that? Is that something we could do? So, and we've built like a bunch of cities out of Lego and just used play as an opportunity to like talk about gentrification, talk about what you want to see in your, in your community in the future. Um, Last year I collaborated with the international rescue committee and they had 20 immigrant families build their countries out of Lego in the morning. And then we brought families from Silver Springs to meet these refugee families that just arrived and they presented their work. And then they all built DC out of Lego together. Like that was like a, so it's just like, how do you bring, like, that's the thing that's fascinating to me. That's a, a talk I just like submitted for South by is like, how do you talk about controversial subjects through play? How do you have like discussions that you otherwise wouldn't be able to have after you've played together? Because after you play together, you know, then you have a foundation you can like start off of. Yeah. So that's my long rant. I apologize for ranting. Yeah, that, that's what this is all about is for you to be yeah. able to have long rants. I, I, I have a couple things to say. One is, wow, your boss really like struck gold when he hired you. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what to say to that, but but we were just we were just super amped because I think both of us at the time were coming from organizations where we were very we felt very limited and we weren't allowed to play at all. And then and then this guy Tim, this genius of guy, was just like, I'm creating this playground of space, and as long as it fits with my values, go and do whatever you need to do. As long as you cover your costs, like that was the freedom that he provided us. That's fantastic. Um, and that's kind of how we've developed a lot of things. Like a lot of the programs we come up with, a lot of times it's just like an instructor's like, I want to do, you know, something, you know, that's Minecraft related or Star Wars related or whatever it is. Like, you know, I want to do something with music because I'm a musician. And then we would just try to figure out, can we make a music class using Lego? You know, like just trying to make up stuff um, and see what sticks, right? Like, just yeah. throw against the wall. So and every everything you do though has Lego involved in yeah. it. Yeah, almost everything that we do. Yeah, is, oh well, everything we do right now is themed around that. Yeah. So like that's the thing we're trying to explore now. Like, should we move away from that? Um, the way Tim started his the whole company was it was just a fun camp that he was running. He might have been even running it for free, where kids could drop in and they could take apart VCRs, TVs. They had, there was a Lego area, there was a computer area, there was a, they had uh, water balloon fights where they would build uh, catapults out of wood. Like it was just a free for all camp. And the way it started was someone then asked him to bring that camp to the school. And he's like, well, I can't do the whole camp. And they were like, just bring the Lego part, you know, and then that's kind of how it evolved from there. But, you know, he was all about just the experimentation of like, how do things work? He wanted to foster a curiosity in kids of like, how does this computer work? Well, then let's actually take it apart and then maybe we'll see if we can take it, put it back together or not, you know? Um, but it, but yeah, that was, that was it. Fantastic. And I loved what you were saying about bringing the, the communities together when 
and this is, I've experienced this personally. And then this is something that I have also, you know, heard said many times over and over again, when communities, when people play together, Mm -hmm. like something shifts Mm -hmm. and you can't, you can't have the same relationship with somebody once you've played with them. So if you've got, uh, you know, the feelings that you have about somebody, the biases that you have about somebody, the, the whatever, you can't have those same biases, the same negative feelings in the same way once you've played with somebody. Yeah. It changes something. Yeah, yeah. It's like four-year-olds all playing together. Right. You know, four-year-old selves are all playing together. So then it's very difficult after that for then someone to be like, stop playing with that person. Well, that person's fun. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like your voice is like, what are you doing? It's just like, and, and I think of, I mean, it's a corny quote, but like I use it from time to time is the, uh, the whole Plato quote, you know, you learn about someone more about someone in an hour of play than a year's worth of conversation. Yeah. I mean, you do because you see them like when you, you've seen it with adults, when you get them touching Lego and, and kidding around and running around and doing all this, like in their pantsuits of all things, right? <laughs> then, um, then they see that authentic part of them. Right. That is like, that they otherwise would never have seen, would not see even if they're drunk, even if they're like, you know, doing all these other crazy things. Like it's, it's, it's really them in that most vulnerable state. Yeah. Um, and that's powerful and that's authentic. And isn't that what we're trying to find out anyway? And we're just trying to, connect so people can see us you know i see you avatar wise you know like like i see you i see you like that's what we're constantly looking for so i want to just facilitate opportunities where that can happen where you can see yourself remind yourself of like how awesome you were especially as a kid and how you're still awesome now and how awesome other people are around you you know absolutely yeah that's that's what I love about the work that I do facilitating play, whether it's through Lego serious play or the work that I do in my creative sandbox community, getting people to do their creative thing mm-hmm. through the window of play through mm-hmm. the you know, creative sandbox mindset that I help people access or whatever. And like you said, it's like when, when we can get into that play space, it allows us to be ourselves. Yeah. And be seen yeah. as ourselves. And isn't that what we yeah. all want? That's, that's what we are always striving for, God. which is ironic when you think of social media because it's supposed to be an opportunity to show your true self, but most of the time we don't show up fully. Right. right? And once yeah. in a while something goes viral or something happens and it's when that person is allowed to, al- to let their authentic self come out. But for the most part, like we don't know how to be authentic with each other, which is super <laughs> sad. And then we wonder why we're where we're at. We wonder why people, I mean, I mean, you know, you might not agree with someone's politics, but imagine if you played with them first before you found out what their politics were. Yeah. Oh my like, God. How would that conversation be different? Like I remember Jimmy Kimmel tried to bring some like Trump supporters together with a family that was, I think like, like, undocumented but they started off by just talking and they shouldn't have and that's why it was super awkward and if somehow they had done something playful maybe 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 not but at least there would have been an opportunity for 
them to see each other as humans before they start seeing each other as labels. Yeah, so. absolutely. Oh my God. That is, if we are going to change the world, it's going to be through play. That's, that's my, that's my goal. That's why I'm all about it. Whenever you come up with something crazy and awesome, I'm down to like collaborate with you on it. Oh. That's, I just, I just want to do, I just want to do things like that. Like, I don't know if Gary mentions to you, but um, we ran a compassionate play workshop, which oh. was super interesting. We ran I need it in, to be a part of that. We ran that at, in, at high tech high with uh, Sarah. Um, I forgot what her last name is, but she runs compassionate a company that teaches about compassion. She ran the first part, which was to introduce what compassion is to students. Gary ran the second part, which was to have them experience compassion through improv. Mm. And then my workshop was the Lego part, which was where I made it really competitive and not compassionate at all. And the the test was to see, did they learn anything and did they apply anything during the workshops? And what was interesting was the way I ran our part was we had 50 students broken up into groups of five. They all represented a country on, I think, like the Western Hemisphere or the Western side. So starting from Canada down, like Canada, U.S., Mexico, all the way down to like Nicaragua, Venezuela, Costa Rica, like all those countries. And I was like, you have to build a factory out of Lego and you have to produce food. That's all you do. Just produce as much food as possible. Just do that. And everyone's job is to produce as much food as possible. But what I didn't tell them was I based the amount of materials they got based off their GDP and their human index factor. Like what's their poverty level and stuff like, you know, like, so like Venezuela and Nicaragua really did not have that many resources while the U.S. had way too many resources and Mexico had a ton of resources and so did Canada. And the, the only thing I told them was like, if you need pieces, you can trade with the country next to you. So what happened that was so fascinating was the poor countries couldn't trade or at first couldn't build. So they would start asking from each other. And sometimes they just didn't have enough. And the, all the rich countries didn't even notice what was happening. Like did uh-huh. not even notice it was just like geopolitics now. Like they're doing their own thing. And sometimes some of the people from the US were like, like I was once a group of just really nice like girls. Like it was four girls, five girls, didn't even notice. Didn't even notice that was, they built two factories. Didn't even notice that other countries hadn't even built one. They were just so like into production. And then other times we'd, we'd uh, I remember it was like, I think Mexico or Canada or the US. And we asked them like, why didn't you share? And this one person from America was just like, well, we're America, you know? And like, that was his attitude. Like, like I, I deserve more stuff than the other places. Like, so it was just interesting. And then you would watch the poor countries sharing so much, even though they didn't have enough. Some of them were like, well, you don't have enough and I don't have enough, but maybe if we pool our resources, maybe we can do it together. You know? So like, it was interesting how some places were showing a ton of compassion and others were not. And it was all happening because like that's human nature. And how do you like address that? So it was fascinating talking to the kids afterwards because they, some of them were like, Whoa, I did not notice that. And others were, others were like, I I didn't understand. Like that made sense to me to just produce as much as possible. (laughs) So yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I see the I see play as so many opportunities to do teachable moments like that. Yeah, yeah. definitely. 
Oh my God. You and I are going to have to collaborate, especially. Yeah, we're going to have to collaborate on something. We're only like an hour away from each other. Yeah. And I I always like asking if you had like a million Lego, what would you do with it? Because we have like that much. So, like, (laughs) what would you want to do? Like, what would you want to like create? Because, you know, we broke world records. Like, we're, we're all about like doing stuff that like creates more good in the world. Like, Tim's, Tim Bowen, our, our, our president, his, his whole motto is do good, be happy. So like, is that, is the organ, you know, is what we're doing right now providing good? And is it, is it making you happy? Is it bringing happiness to you and, and other people or joy? I feel like that's a deeper word for happiness. So. Oh my God. Fantastic. Wow. This has been so fun talking to you. This. Yes. I'm so excited. (laughs) I don't even know what we're going to do, but we're going to do something I, dope. We are going to be do, do something dope. We're, we're going to look at this. This way I got to post it on YouTube so that we can look at this a few years from now and be like, remember when we did that remember podcast? When? <laughs> remember that podcast? And then we did do something dope. And then we did do something dope. We didn't know what it was going to be when we recorded yeah. that podcast. But Exactly. Yeah. Well, I know that you brought something cool. I don't know what it is, but I know you brought something cool. I brought a few different things, which is interesting. So being that I was just in China, I have some like these, these random Chinese candies. I don't know what that is. I think it's a strawberry and a chocolate, but I'm not sure. (laughs) And then maybe you can help me out with this because I actually don't know what this is, but it looks like beer. It looks like, It looks like beer, but it's it's a lollipop. A beer lollipop. A beer lollipop. A beer lollipop from China. So these, these are my things from China that I brought. And then I just got this in a box. So we did, um, when the Warriors won, we did their, after the parade was over, all their employees came um, to like celebrate a party afterwards. And we built uh, the Warriors logo out of Lego. And then they gave us some Warriors gear. Whoa! Some Warriors gear. So I got a hat. I, was, I just got it in the box today, and I was like, "Oh, this is awesome!" <laughs> so that was random, but that was super fun. So yeah, you probably get lots of lots of cool perks like that. Uh, I mean, once in a while, not always, but <laughs> but I, I really want to know what this tastes like. So I'm, I'm fascinated. It, I and I imagine that's not something that people can just like find somewhere online. No, I don't know. <laughs> There's not one word of English on here that I can identify, <laughs> except for maybe chupa, chupa chips. Chupa Which, chips. I don't, beer. I don't think that's. I don't think that's English. But chupa, yeah. chupa chips, beer, lollipop, and and is there any place anybody can go to get one of those Lego ties that you're wearing? Oh yeah, you can actually. Um, well, actually. If you if you simply email me Jeff at play well dot org, we sometimes give them away. You know, <gasps> if you're willing to play, then we give them Whoa. away. Like that our, is definitely something cool. Yeah. So like we don't we I mean we've sold them or we have a site where we sometimes sell them, but for the most part, it's like it's an opportunity when we see someone or someone that's like really a Lego fanatic or really someone that just loves playing. And we're like, well, we'll send you a bow tie and then we'll figure out some way in which we can play together in the future. So like I have an alumni wall of like 200, 300 people around the world that have them. 
you know. Oh so I'll it's it's a hilarious alumni wall. <laughs> so I will have to send you yours. So you'll have to give me email me your address and I will send you. Oh, I will do one. that. Then I yeah. can I can wear a bow tie in a weird place when I facilitate my Lego series play workshops. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Perfect. That is perfect. Fantastic. Well, my something cool this week is a it's not a physical thing. It's not an app or anything like that. It is, it's an action. It's so, you know, you know, those boxes of liquid, like soy milk or almond milk or whatever. You get them all the time time. and you unscrew the cap or whatever. And then you're pouring the milk and it, it like glugs out and it spits, you know? So here's my something cool. Here's my something cool. You take the box and instead of pouring it the way that you would think, where the, the hole is closer to your cereal bottle or your, or your cup oh, or whatever, you turn it around. So, so the knob the is at the top. Is at the top. Right. And then it won't go glug, 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 glug and spill all over the place. That's my something cool. I'm going to do that from now on. It's really kind of amazing. And I, this is actually where it comes from is auto mechanics. They do this with oil cans. Right. With those weird, the weird, they don't do it. Yeah. They, you do it, you, and it's so, it feels like, it feels like you're going to pour and it's going to go all over the place. It right. just feels very counterintuitive, but it, believe me, it works and it doesn't wow. go glug, glug, glug anymore. It just pours in an even stream and it works. That's- now the only the only caveat or whatever is that once you get down to a very small amount of almond milk yeah. or whatever you're pouring, then you then you turn it around and you go the other right. way, the right, like right, regular right. way or whatever. But that's my something cool. Just I'm turn gonna, the box around. I'm gonna do that and I'm gonna film it. I'm gonna send awesome. It. <laughs> I might tag you just randomly in some posts. It does work. Look at it. She was right. Uh, yeah, I learned that from my yeah. husband. A little trick from my husband there. So. Oh, that's awesome. Is he an engineer or is he just like a guy that just like... No, he's a Swiss Army knife. He just, you know, he just collects all kinds of random things and yeah. Do you know the sneaky cards? Have you heard of sneaky cards? I have not. You have another oh. something cool to share? I, I do have another thing, I guess, to share. It's um, so... I was at World Domination Summit, which is a hilarious conference. It's an I, awesome I was there the first two years. Co- oh, yeah. So you know. And someone randomly, because it's World Domination Summit, and like just random people just run up to you. Um, <laughs> someone came up to me and was just... And, and we had been hanging out and like playing somewhat, you know, like doing a lot of really cool stuff. So she comes up to me and she gives me these sneaky... sneaky. Play it Sneaky forward. Play cards. it forward cards. And oh, wait, I got to get a screenshot of that. Yeah, I get a screenshot. Sneaky. Got it. So then she was just like, "You take half the deck. I'm going to take half the deck, and we have three months to do the deck." And things that are on here, like this one, is like defeat someone in a duel, <laughs> like rock paper scissors. So I've done this one. So I posted this one and tagged her with like the code, the sneaky card. Oh my God. Sneaky cards on there. And Um, there's a track it code on the card. Yeah. Yeah. I, 
I, I don't even know. I just, there was another, I think I was at Autodesk and there was one where it's like pay for the vending machine for the next person and then leave the card. So I paid for the vending machine and then I just left the card there and then took a photo of the, of the, of it. And I still have to post it on my Instagram. But it's just all these weird things like, you know, um, yeah, go f- screen free for 24 hours. Um, uh, leave this car, leave this card on a seat oh, uh, wow. plane and see if someone picks it up, you know? <laughs> so I got to get these done. So let me know if you, uh, you know, if, if we're bumping into each other, I haven't done any of these. I will be like, <laughs> we need to- by the way, I need to get these sneaky cards done. Sorry. I, n- I have to pay for someone's toll soon. So I got to, and then I got to give this to the toll operator. So, uh, yeah. So Those are cool. My sneaky cards. Yeah, my sneaky cards. And I did not get sponsored to do this. I am not, not sponsored by sneaky cards. I don't think they know who I am. So. Those are very cool, something cool, I have to say. Yeah. So, yes. So we need to hang out again. We do. Fun. We're going to have to do it in person next time. Since yeah, we're we going to cross the Bay Bridge. Yeah, we'll or find some fun play. Dumbarton Bridge. <laughs> we'll find some fun play thing to do, and then I might have a play thing for you, but I'll send it to you. Okay, cool, awesome, wow. Well, okay. Do you prefer Jeff or Jeffrey? Either one. Whatever Either someone one. feels like compelled to say, play with it. Whatever you want to say. <laughs> I actually wanted my name to be Nigel when I was a kid, so. <laughs> Because I found out that was going to be my name, but then my mom was like, it's too British. <laughs> so, like, I think I'm a Nigel, not a Jeff. But whatever. I'm down with Jeff. Jeff Harry. Great. <laughs> Two first names. Jeffrey Christopher Harry, if you count the middle name. See, I'll just keep going. If, you don't, you know, if, you're, like, if you're not going to wrap it up, it's just going to be like, let's just keep talking about I can talk about it for like two hours. <laughs> Well, Jeff Harry, wannabe Nigel, you uh, are hysterically funny and a total delight. And I can't wait till the next time we get to connect because yes. this has been so much fun. I really am looking forward to getting together with you in person. We have to make that happen. Yes. And thank yes. you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. This has been a blast to talk to another Lego nerd. Yes. Thank you very much. You're absolutely welcome. And I'll let you know how this tastes. Yeah, let me know if it tastes like beer. I really hope it doesn't. That'd be disgusting. <laughs> I'm not re- I don't really like beer in the first place. And now I'm like having a lollipop is like that. That is a problem. You got a problem. <laughs> <laughs> you have a beer lollipops when you're not drinking. <laughs> oh my God. And I'm planting the seed. Or or re or throwing the seed back to you that you and I we are going to collaborate. We're gonna do something dope. We are gonna I'm, do something I'm dope. Like very, like it's gonna be dope. It's gonna be dope. Yeah, I've just busted out the '90s dope on you. Okay, awesome. <laughs> it's gonna be some dopeness. Let's just say. <laughs> Excellent. Bring it back. Bring it. It's gonna be gnarly, man. Yeah, bringing them back. <laughs> bringing them back. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Jeff. All right. It's a pleasure. Take care. You too. See ya. That's it. That's a wrap. 
I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jeff Harry. Let me know if you resonated and connect with me on LinkedIn or direct message me on Instagram. And before you go, as a reminder, I am holding a free Creative Sandbox Community Virtual Play Day on Saturday, November 17th, and you are invited. I am celebrating my birthday by making art and streaming it live on DoodleCam and inviting everyone to join me. Of course, not really everyone because spaces are limited, but come watch and listen to me talk about my process as I make art and come make your art alongside me virtually, of course, and ask any questions that might pop up in the text chat. You can ask your questions or you can ask questions via audio. You can also share your own art if you are brave enough in a, via webcam if you want. And a bunch of my Creative Sandbox community members are going to be there. So you'll get a chance to meet some of them as well. But again, spots are limited and you do need to register in advance. And this is a live only experience. I'm not going to be sending out a recording of this event. It is 10am to 12pm Pacific time on Saturday, November 17th. So go right now to virtualplayday.com to sign up and reserve your spot. That's virtualplayday.com and I will see you there. Thanks so much for joining me today. If you are getting value out of this podcast, share it with a friend. And I would be super appreciative if you would take a moment, hop on over to iTunes, the Apple podcast player and leave a rating using those lovely stars and one or two sentences for of a review. What do you like about the show? How has it made a difference in your life? And if you email me to let me know that you've left that review and how the podcast has made a difference in your own life, That is how you can apply to be considered for the listener spotlight, to be featured on the show just like Jeff Harry was featured on the show. And if I pick you, we will have a really fun, really relaxed conversation. That's one of my superpowers is making people feel comfortable. So you'll you'll get to feel comfortable while being having a conversation with me for the podcast. Super duper cool. If you don't know how to leave a review on iTunes, no worries, I've got you covered. Just go to creativesandboxway.com slash iTunes hyphen review. That's creativesandboxway.com slash iTunes dash review. And the reason why I ask for this every week is because uh, those reviews really make a difference in helping other people find the show. Because when people are looking for a podcast to listen to, and they do a search, podcasts that have more positive reviews pop up higher in the search results. So you leaving that review and taking a couple minutes to leave a review really does make a difference. And I would be super grateful in you helping other people find the show. So thank you so much in advance. That's it. Until next time. Thanks again for joining me and go get creating. Creative Sandbox Way. Subscribe at creative sandboxway.com slash podcast.